give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. thankful this morning. Amen. It's so good to see each and every one of you. Let's sing in a little bit of uh, amen this morning. Well, amen. Amen. Hey. 
all this morning. Let's put this score to C and a little bit of going up yonder. Well, do you want to know where I'm going? I'm going. Take the pain, the heartache that it brings, with the comfort in knowing I'll soon be gone. As God gives me grace, I'm going to run this race until I see my Savior face to face. love him are you going up yonder amen we uh you may take your seats here momentarily and uh, have a few announcements here and um have some visitors that we'd like to welcome as well uh, but first of all let's uh let's kind of go to the lord with uh, these prayer requests i've got sort of a a long list here and uh, brother John if you would come and lead us uh, sometimes you see two Johns in a, in a line and uh, he already is worried if you're gonna get both of them <laughs> but uh, uh, John James come up to lead us in prayer here in just a minute brother Keith Buchanan keep him in your prayers if you would he needs um, uh, just a continual you know, a lot of times you say, I need a touch from the Lord, but I tell you what, we just need his hand on us all the time, amen. Um, Sister Emma McCafferty is sick this morning. Uh, Brother John Mayo, his uh, children are, are sick this morning, and the Munches as well. Um, <clears throat> uh, Brother Ron Knobloch, his mother passed away, and she's got pneumonia, and uh, just keep him in prayer as they make ready for those services. Uh, my wife, Jennifer, she has a constriction in her esophagus, and 
it uh, makes it hard to pass uh, food, and so it can be very frightening at times. So keep her in your prayers as well. Um, Sister Crystal needs a touch in her body, and also um, Brother Bill and Sister Cindy Walters do not feel well this morning, and would appreciate your prayers as well. So let's take these needs to the Lord, and um, just as we approach the throne this morning bearing each other's burdens as we uh, begin this new week. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, we've heard these needs today, Lord, and we bring them to you and just know that in ourselves we can't do anything about these needs, Lord, but you're the healer, you're the savior, and you show our love to us by just showing us that we can depend on you, Lord, that we can trust you, Lord. There's so many needs, so many physical ailments, Lord. Just give these people comfort, strength. Help them look to you, Lord. And there's many other spiritual, emotional, mental issues that we're facing, Lord, that aren't spoken. And we know that you heal those too, Lord. Just be with our brother Keith that is in such need. He did a prayer request yesterday, Lord, and that just give him a comfort in his body, a healing in his body, Lord, and give him the strength to overcome, Lord. And we just know that you have this all under control, Lord. Bless our ears for this service. Help us hear your word, receive it, and help it do something in us, Lord. Change us, Lord, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. Just feel a spirit of worship here this morning. I appreciate that. We, um, uh, the Borlevin family is uh, visiting Sam and Sharon. Uh, where are you at this morning? Good to see you. And I have several visitors. I don't know if I will be able to call everyone. But um, I'm glad that you made it today. So it's good to, good to see you all. We, um, isn't it wonderful to feel the presence of our husband this morning? Amen. Theologians like to talk about God and, you know, with the big words sometimes, how, you know, God is self-sufficient. He's immutable which means he doesn't change and he's impassable, which means he has no passions or emotions. Ineffable, that, that's a good one. It means you can't really know the nature of God. And um, I tell you what, a lot of times they'll, they'll like to start talking about that and talking about God's sufficiency and uh, that he's an unmoved mover and that he doesn't need us. But would you, would you ever walk up to a woman and tell her that her husband doesn't need her? He's got a job. He's got a house. He's got a car. He can buy food. He, he doesn't need you. Amen. God doesn't, God doesn't need us like, like I don't need my wife. Amen. You're necessary to God. 
I believe that with all my heart. Do you believe it? And he shows it to us all the time. Let's sing a song, um, Key of C. This is a beautiful old song called Who Am I? When I think of how he came so far from glory Suffer shame and such disgrace. Oh, Mount Calvary, take my place. Then I ask myself this question Who am I? Who are you this morning? Who That a king would bleed and die. Amen. Who am I that he would pray? Not my will, thine for the answer I may never. To an old rugged cross he goes, for who am I? Then I'm reminded of his words, I'll leave you never, just I could have done to deserve God's only son to fight my battles until they're won for who am I let's stand and sing it to him who am I who am I that a king would bleed and die for who am I that he would pray not my will but thine for the i 
his bride. Amen. Who am I that he would bring? Not my will, I for the answer I may never know. Why ever love me so that to an old Nothing we've done, amen. Aren't you glad that he chose you and to say that you are necessary to me because I love you. You're my bride. Let's take our seats this morning. And um, uh, deacons, if we could take up the offering. At this point, we have a couple of specials. And um, I'd like to... Also, welcome um, Gio and Evelyn from New York. Where are you at this morning? Right over here. And Friends of the Britons. And I believe that uh, Leah and Mia have a song this morning. So you get ready. Come on up and, and prepare to do that. And uh, I tell you what, just the Holy Spirit. I, um, uh, Brother Barry had said, uh, I don't think we have any specials this morning. Uh, maybe you could... Uh, round some up and so I thought to myself you know what I would love to hear Anna Pritchard sing this morning and I walked um, around to the back and I and I touched the brother on the shoulder and I said this could sister Anna have a song this morning and they were already nodding yes and I thought what, how what wonderful volunteers and that just worked out and then <laughs> and then and then I get a note that on my uh, up here that says uh, sister Anna Pritchard has a song <laughs> So that wasn't a surprise at all, was it? But that's just the way, that's just the way God works. So, um, so let's let's pray over the offering. Amen. So, Britons, come on. Does it seem like the storm just won't break? Is there a mountain in front of you that doubt says will never move? And you wonder, will God make a way? Well, tell me a time he's not been faithful. Tell me a morning his mercies were new. Tell me a moment he wasn't able to carry you through. Tell me a day he was less than almighty when he could not roll back the tide. Child, when you look 
He's always been faithful. Sister Anna, come on up. And uh, she's got a special prepared for us and uh, that God has prepared for us. Amen. So uh, thank you, sisters. That was, that was beautiful. I love that. Tell me a time. Amen. He's always faithful.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The battle belongs to him. Amen. In ancient warfare, there's an there's a thing called a they call it a shield lock. Let's all stand this morning. And uh, where soldiers would stand side by side, and they hold up those almost body length shields, lock them together, in order to face an enemy as one, as one monolithic um, front. And look left and right. And as we as we sing these songs, these hymns this morning together, uh, you know we're uniting our voices in corporate worship, and it's symbolic of uh, of the bride of Christ working together as a body. Amen. I believe that there's something just wonderful about uh, singing, lifting our voices together. And uh, as we look around, you know, uh, those warriors might have had some petty differences uh, between them that would come out in the barracks or whatever. But once you get on the battlefield, that's your brother and sister standing together in a shield lock. And behind you is what you hold dear. Amen. Behind this wall of shields is our families, our sick and our wounded. Amen. We stand united, and we need each other. Hallelujah. Give me your hand. Let's agree together that all of our enemies will crumble at our feet. Whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. At the name of Jesus, Satan has to flee. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got Satan's tried to stop us, but the bride of Jesus, Lord, will still alive. And like a mighty army, we keep marching onward, winning every battle. Because the Lord's at our side We've got the power In the name of Jesus We've got the power In the name of the Lord Although Satan rages We cannot be defeated Sing it again. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. 
of the Lord, though Satan rages, we will not be defeated. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. Once again, we've got the power. How many believe you got the power? How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to realize that it's not you that has the power. It's him that has all power, all glory, all. Everything was given unto him in heaven and in earth, right? And, and, and you know what? The beautiful thing is that all he had, he poured out upon the church. And so our power is not really our own. It's his. So we need to let our faces know that we're happy to be in church and the way maker is here. He's here among us and he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Let's sing it this morning. Let's sing the way maker together. You are here moving in our midst. I'll ring it out now. I worship Thank you, Jesus. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You're a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Yes. My God, yes, that Lord. is who Thank you,
my God, that is who you are. Your God is good, isn't he? Let's bow our heads together this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that we have this opportunity to come into your house, Lord, and into this wonderful presence this morning. We feel the sweet nearness of the Holy Spirit today. And Lord, I believe that's because there's a people who are expecting, Lord, and a people who are looking to draw close to you, and a people, Lord, that are believing that with you all things are possible. I pray, dear God, faith would rise this morning, and I pray, dear God, as you have already directed so many things, Lord, that have taken place in this service, I just ask and pray that you would continue, Lord, to anoint every heart, every mind that we might receive from you, Lord, and your Holy Spirit might have free course among us. We commit our time into your hands now, and Lord, we pray that you would look at us through the blood of Calvary's cross forgive us of everything, Lord, that may be out of the way, anything, Lord, sinful in our lives, anything, Lord, that might hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit today. But Lord Jesus, we also want to say that we are a needy people, and there are many concerns, many burdens that we have, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just move in our midst, and Lord, deal with our hearts, I pray, bring healing to all who need it, Lord. Father, I pray that you would anoint us and others to say, Lord, exactly what needs to be said this morning. We give this time into your hands now. In the wonderful, precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. We'll let our musicians take their places today. And we welcome uh, all of you uh, here today. Good to have uh, all of our visitors and friends. Always good to have the Vasakis here. And uh, may God bless you. Good to have Gio and Evelyn here from New York, right? Amen. God bless you. And uh, we are uh, hearing very good reports from the uh, fellowship last night, youth fellowship last night with the Ivies. I don't know if the Ivies are here or not. Uh, they're in recovery mode. There they are. All right. Wonderful fellowship uh, and wonderful hospitality. And um, we're thankful for that. Now, um, good to have Sister Katie Quinn with us today, uh, all the way from the south. And uh, I wanted to ask you, especially to remember this morning, Brother Ben McCafferty. Uh, Brother Ben is not here. He's in Idaho, and he went out to help celebrate his grandmother's birthday. Settle a question for me. Is it her 93rd birthday or her 80th birthday? 93 years old. Now, a year ago or so, Brother Ben's grandfather passed away, and so Ben went out, flew out on Friday to go visit his grandmother. And uh, it was a good thing Brother Ben was there because uh, late last night, uh, Brother Ben's uncle also passed away suddenly, and it was a real shock to the family. And uh, Brother Ben's mother is there also in Idaho, and, and they were quite, uh, quite shocked by the passing of their brother. And the grandmother doesn't know yet. She's not uh, still a little earlier out there, and uh, the family, the mother and the, uh, her, her mother's sister uh, didn't want to tell the grandmother, and so they asked Ben would she do that. So he just texted me a few minutes ago and asked me would we remember him in prayer, and I said we sure would, and just pray that the Lord gives him uh, wisdom and gentleness just to know 
what to say. And uh, so we uh, just want to remember that need this morning here. Uh, <clears throat> I, I want to remind you that uh, today, of course, as you know, if you've read any of the updates that have gone out, uh, Brother George Smith's going to be with us tonight at 5 o'clock, and he's going to be coming. And uh, he hasn't been here for a little while, so uh, I felt it would be nice for us to have him come by and uh, speak to us. And uh, I do a lot of work with George, you know, with our uh, vision books and printing and all the Spanish work and everything that happens uh, in the Spanish-speaking world. And we're very excited about uh, the work that has been done and is going on. Next Sunday, we're going to have a regular service Sunday morning, and after that, we're going to have a dinner. But it's going to be a special dinner. It's going to be our international dinner. And that means that we're all bringing things uh, native to our country. So you Americans need to bring American stuff. I know the Virginians are bringing Virginia ham. We have a corner on that. So don't anybody else bring a Virginia ham. And uh, <clears throat> if you're from Boston, you know what to bring, right? And, you know, there's all kinds of localized things that you can make. But if you live in the South, of course, everything is fried. Because if it ain't fried, it ain't food in the South, right? So our international contingent in our church, which we are, uh, which, uh, whom we love, where they're going to be bringing international stuff. There's even going to be door prizes. There's going to be uh, a special coffee booth for international coffees. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we want you to make sure that you uh, check the, uh, the, the list, the laundry list of things that uh, Sister Becky's put together. And this will be for, uh, for next Sunday after church. And the church is only providing drinks. So this is like an old-fashioned potluck dinner where everybody brings food. We put it all together. And uh, we'll have, uh, I know that we'll have a wonderful time. So uh, this list is out on the bulletin board, so make sure you check it if you're not sure and you haven't seen that. And um, uh, come expecting next, uh, next Sunday. All right. <clears throat> now, I'm going to give you a couple of special events here. February 21st, Jude James, right? Jude, how old are you going to be on your birthday? 16. Wonderful. We're glad to have Jude with us. February 22nd, Jeremiah and Julia Clayville. Now, I know Sister Julia is here as well. How, old, how many years? 21 years. Wonderful. How, we appreciate Brother Jeremy, appreciate Sister Julia, and uh, may God bless you. And also, the pews have their anniversary. They've been waiting all year for this. And uh, Brother Samuel, how many years? 22 years, you win. <laughs> God bless you. We appreciate the pews very much and a very special part of our church. And may God bless you on your anniversary. And then February 24th, Sister Judy Arnold uh, lives up in the Chicago area, very much a part of our church and listens faithfully. And uh, she'll be excited this morning to hear that her birthday has been recognized. So we're thankful for each and every one. We're going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning and let's look to the Lord in prayer. As we read our scripture in Matthew, we're going to the 14th chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. Now, I should mention as well, Sister Florence has gone back to Ghana. We have Brother Daniel, but we lost Sister Florence, and she's gone back, and she's going to be there for a couple of months, and uh, we certainly miss Sister Florence. Matthew chapter 14, very familiar passage of scripture. Very simple subject this morning called Little Faith. 
So you can take your big theological guns and slide them back into your theological holsters and listen to what's going to be said. Now, Anna and Ethan, I have not forgotten, <clears throat> but I want to talk about this subject, little faith here. And it's mentioned several times in Scripture. Brother Branham actually talks about it as well. And the, and the preacher Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, made this subject quite famous in a sermon he did way back in the 1800s. And uh, I've all, I read that, uh, read, that story, read that sermon that he wrote many years ago and uh, just really uh, touched my heart. And I've mentioned it here in our assembly before. So let's read in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into his ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking by the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. I love how Jesus says that so often to us. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus, stretching forth his hand, caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? May God add his blessing this morning. You may be seated. Normally, every sermon is for everybody, but not today. If you're someone who's strong in the faith, your faith is full of muscles, and you're ready to take on whatever Satan can throw at you, you can sit back this morning, maybe play with your phone. This sermon isn't for you. This sermon is for the people who very often feel like they don't have much faith. The sermon is for people who very often struggle, struggle sometimes with answers to prayer, struggle with the circumstances in their lives that maybe they can't seem to get over. <clears throat> there are, there's been said, as I uh, listen, this morning, there, uh, I believe it was Brother uh, John who prayed, and he talked about so many needs. And on Wednesday night, we had our uh, little modified prayer meeting, and uh, I had two full pages of prayer requests that I gave out uh, that people had submitted. And these are all people uh, within our ranks who had submitted requests and gave them to me. There's so many needs. That's an understatement. When you multiply the amount of churches that are gathering this morning and the amount of needs that we have... And then the amount of needs that are never mentioned, the amount of concerns and problems and sicknesses and anxiety that never gets mentioned or never gets talked about, are probably way, way more that are never spoken about than the ones that are. Some of us are faced by circumstances that never seem to go away. There are conditions that exist and relentless attacks by the enemies. 
the enemy's hand, the enemy's forces, and it just seems like it's relentless. It kind of reminds me of what was happening in Ukraine this past week when, uh, you know, the Ukrainians who are, uh, lost a little, little of their support and financial support and logistical support, and they've been holding Russia, you know, uh, on, on, on their uh, battle lines. And, of course, when uh, they, they lost some of their support, and they say they're counting their bullets now, they're counting their bombs that they have uh, because they want to make sure of every shot. They just don't know where the next bullet's coming from. And the Russians made an advance. And you have to imagine what it would be like to be in the, in the Ukrainian army and uh, to have fought so long, years now, to have pushed and gotten the battle, the, uh, uh, the battle line. What do you call the battle line? Front line. To get the front line where it is and then to lose uh, ground, lose a city. And, and even though that's probably not a great deal of territory physically, you've got to imagine what the morale must be like among the Ukrainian soldiers and the Ukrainian people. You know, who say, ah, you know, we've been... We've been victorious. We've been pushing. We've been aggressive. We've been pushing the front line back all the time against Russia. Now, Russia is overwhelming uh, the Ukrainian forces and pushing back on the Ukrainian forces now. And, you know, the, the, the feeling that that must have. There are, there are some of us here that are uh, very conscious of mistakes and failures that we've made. Maybe, maybe bad judgments or bad calls that we've made. And uh, you know, in the middle of making more decisions, and you're thinking, my goodness, uh, you know, it, it, it's sometimes a very discouraging time to live in. Sometimes you can, we can begin to feel that. Isn't that right? And, and it, it, a lot of it has to do with all the things that are happening in the world, and we don't know what's next, and we don't know which way things are going to go. Hey, it, you're, it's quite normal to feel, uh, feel a little bit overwhelmed. It's, it's quite normal to, uh, you know, to feel a little discouraged by the times that we live in, not, not the things of God, not the things of God, not the message of the hour. I'm thankful that we have that because that, that counterbalances all those influences that are in our lives. But as human beings and as people who go through life and we struggle, we wrestle, we, uh, you know, we work and sometimes you wonder what, you know, you, you get ahead a little bit and then there's a setback, get ahead a little bit and there's a setback, get ahead a little bit. But hey, that's life, isn't it? That's life. I'm glad we have Christ in our lives. I'm glad we have the message of the hour to, uh, you know, to be able to uh, know what we know and know what, what the future holds. Because uh, as bleak as that must be, and you've got to imagine for a moment in your life, what would it be like to know all of what I just said, like everybody in the world who watches TV and they watch the internet and they know all the same things that you know, but they, they don't have the hope in their heart of something great that happens at the end. I, it, it's, it's hard for me to imagine what it would be like to be without that hope. But we are a people of great expectation. We have, we have great confidence that God's going to bring his word to pass. Isn't that right? And we're very thankful for that. But in this life, applause doesn't come easily. In this life, it's not always, you're not always recognized for who we are and what we do. I believe that God will make that all right one day. Reminds me of a story of a missionary who came back from years of service on the mission field. And this happened years ago when missionaries travel the world by boat. And this missionary and his wife had served in an African country for many, many years, and they arrived back. Happens to be on the same boat coming from Europe, uh, there was a, a famous politician. And uh, he had been elected so many years ago, and he was on the same boat. And when they pulled up to the dock in New York, there was all of these 
uh, dignitaries there. There was a big uh, limousine, kind of, I guess, would have been a coach that was uh, like a limousine and fancy horses and uh, they had a band playing when the boat arrived because of this, uh, this, this great politician who was on the boat. And uh, everybody applauded and everybody was happy and uh, they were looking at this, uh, this dignitary and made a big fuss, made a big fanfare. And the mayor of the city was there at the bottom of the gangplank and welcomed them home and so forth. And uh, <clears throat> there was nobody there to meet or recognize that missionary after spending almost his whole life in Africa doing the work of the kingdom of God. Nobody there. And the wife of the missionary could kind of look over because everybody, whether you wanted to or not, everybody had to watch this dignitary go down with all the applause and everything else and all the fanfare and get into his gilded carriage and they took off and then all the band left and everybody left and the rest of the passengers got off the boat. And uh, the wife of the missionary, she kind of was watching her husband and he kind of had his head down a little bit and after all these years he I'm sure he must have had a look on his face that said, man, it's too bad that we never got uh, at least a little recognition. And his wife, he didn't say that, but he had that, that look on his face. And his wife just leaned over to him and said, honey, we're not home yet. You can't help but feel, though, as human beings that, you know, you wonder sometimes, is God even conscious? Is he aware of my prayer?" And here's Peter in a circumstance, as we, as we look at it in, the, in, in our text here, here's Peter looking at the situation, and he's, he's realizing that, my goodness, <clears throat> these circumstances are bigger than me. Even though he's in the presence of Jesus Christ, these circumstances are bigger than me. And he begins to falter, and when he, fall, when he begins to falter, and I believe that he began to falter right here first in his own mind, and he began to sink. And Jesus held his hand out and pulled him back up into the boat. Have I described anybody here this morning who may, may go through the normal, natural downsides of life and go through the valleys and so forth? Sometimes you think, my, my faith is pretty little. My faith is not really big like uh, Brother Branham's faith or all these prophets in the Bible. Anybody here can relate to that. Sometimes you think, well, I've never laid hands on anybody and anybody's, you know, recovered and come back uh, full strength. I've never done that. I never even sung a special in the church. I never really done very much. Anybody here can relate to that. And sometimes you think you're just ordinary and you just have maybe a little, just a spoonful of faith. I'm here to tell you this morning that you're the people I'm preaching to this morning. Not the people with great faith, faith muscles, but the people who just have a spoonful. If you have little faith, you're in the right place today. And I want, you to, I want to instruct you about what you should do with that little bit of faith, okay? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Brother Bram says in 1965, he says, when that time comes, and this is the end of his life and when I cross over, I don't want anything to have to look back for or repent for. I want to be clean and pure by the grace of God. I want to wrap myself in the robes of his righteousness when I enter there with this one thing in my mind. I know him in the power of his resurrection. He said, that's the one thing. Here he is now at the end of his ministry. This is a month later, he's going to be gone. And he says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And when he calls, I'll come out from among the dead and live with him forever. And it's my purpose here now to try to get every man, not to change his theology or nothing, but to increase your faith in God's promise for this day. That's my purpose. That's my goal is to try to increase your faith. As you know, people are going to believe certain things, and then they're going to switch, and they're going to believe something else. And no matter how much you believe this morning, 
God's able to add to that belief even more than what you possess, right? And, and we, we, we invite that. We, we look for that. We ask God to do that. So it, it's not so much whether somebody's got all their theology right, but rather Brother Bram says my goal is to increase somebody's faith in God's promise in this day. And that's what's really important. And that's what sets you apart as a unique person, as a member of the Bride of Christ, because you're able to believe the word for your day. You're catching the here and now. You're a people of the now. You're a people of today. And God has chosen you and put something in you to believe that message for this day. And for that, you should be very, very thankful. Your life might be a mess. You might not be able to figure it all out. You might not be able to get your kids to clean up the room when you tell them. There's all kinds of things that are uh, maybe skew in your life. But I'll tell you something. If you're believing the, uh, the word for this day and the prophecies for this day, and you believe that God sent a prophet and you believe the word of this day, I'll tell you what, you, you, need, you don't need to take a second seat to anybody. You're a special class of people. You're a chosen people. Brother Bam said in his prayer, Our Heavenly Father, it is in the church of the living God. He never questioned, Jesus never questioned whether he'd find righteousness or find Christians, but would he find faith on the earth when he returned? That's what Jesus asked. When, I, when, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? Knowing that that would be one thing that people would let go on. In the last day, a lot of people would let go on that. We, 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 we strive to have a big church and we strive to have a big program or whatever else. But he said, that's not what Jesus is coming back to see and find out. He's coming back to find out whether there's faith on the earth. <clears throat> and hearing the Holy Spirit speaking in the last day, how times would come and men would have a form of godliness and would deny the power thereof. They'd have a lack of faith. And we thank thee, Lord, because that in our hearts we feel we have just a little faith. If you have a little faith in your heart tonight, be thankful for that. Because even a little faith can do great things. Do you believe that? Even a little faith can do great things. And so if you got a, just a spoonful tonight or a pocketful, hang on to it. Hang on to it. And we're going to put it into action today. All right? And here's Brother Bram saying, you know, men would have, uh, they would have a, a form of godliness and, and uh, deny the power thereof. They'd have a lack of faith in this hour. I will tell you what, saints of God, I, you know, the more I've, I've talked about this to several people this week and uh, just talking in council with different ones and people having to make a decision. And some decisions are uh, good decisions. Some decisions are very serious because it'll affect uh, their futures. And, and I, uh, you know, there's, there's always different ways to look at, uh, look at a decision or look at making a choice, right? I mentioned this just a little bit on Wednesday night, so give me just a moment here. And I want to say that, uh, you know, there are times when we uh, go to God and, and, and we have a concern and we'll just say, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know uh, which way I should turn. And uh, naturally, uh, these days, everybody's got a phone within reach. And so they'll text people like Reverend Noah here or somebody else, some of the other. What do you think I should do? Here's my situation. What do you think I should do? And uh, anybody know what you should do in a situation like this? Put it on Facebook and, you know, 50,000 people will answer. But you know that 50,000 people are not God. And in the same way you don't know your future, that 50,000 people don't know your future. Even Reverend Cockman here doesn't know your future. Nobody knows your future, only the one who holds the future, and that's God. Isn't that right? And so the very best thing we can do is turn this around and rather than say, well, I don't know and I don't know what I should do and I'm what if I make a mistake? What if I mess up? Rather than go at it that way, turn it around and go at it this way and say, Lord, I believe the scripture says that we should cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And that's the first thing that I have in my mind. 
And then the second thing I have in my mind is that the footsteps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And so therefore, I believe my future is not a mystery to you because you know it already. And I'm just going to trust that you'll guide me in the steps of that future towards the expected end that you have for me. That's what I'm going to believe. And then thirdly, I'm going to take Romans chapter 8, 28 and say that all things work together for good to them that love God and them who are the called according to his purpose. And I'm going to trust in that. And I'm going to, by faith, knowing what I know, because I don't know the future and no one else around me seems to know, I'm going to just trust you in the name of the Lord Jesus to guide me and lead me and help me make the best decision I possibly can. And Lord, I believe that there is a quote, and I'm telling you now what to pray. There is a quote, and I think I mentioned it on Wednesday night as well, that Brother Branham said, if you're in the path of duty, if you're in the line of duty, he said, make sure you're in the path of duty. Like, make sure you're in the will of God. Like, if you don't pay your tithes, you're not in the will of God. If you don't go to church, you're not in the will of God. Hello? If, if, you're, if you're kicking against the prophet and the message, you're, you're, you know what? You're not in the path of duty. You're in a path to destruction, Right? But if you're in the path of duty, he said, and you veer off that path or wiggle off that path, he said, and you make a choice, God is obligated to get you back on the right path. I mean, what, what kind of better guarantee can you have? That my footsteps are ordered of God. He already knows where my footsteps should take me. And if I make a mistake, God's going to get me back on the road again because that's his promise to me. That takes the load off making a, a decision. Now, you want to go at it prayerfully. You want to go at it, you know, uh, very mindfully and uh, <clears throat> not in a flippant way, especially when they are important decisions here. But there's a point where you got to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Because I have found, I have looked for answers to prayer many times, and I've looked up in the sky for that little biplane that has the big banner on the back of it flapping in the wind that says, Brother Barry, marry her. I've looked for that plane. I've never found it. I've, I've searched the skies for that plane with the banner that has the will of God written all over it for me, and I've never found it. Now, God may do that for you, because God can do anything. I'm just saying he's never done it for me. And if he did that for me, and if I looked out there and saw that plane with the banner behind it flapping in the wind and say, uh, yes, Brother Barry, do this or do that, you would not do anything else by faith. But faith is not seen. Right? Faith is not, oh, yeah, here's the answer. Or you're going to get a text from somebody uh, that says, this is what you should do. Then we see that, and it's not by faith anymore. Faith follows the unseen. Faith looks at the unseen as if it was seen for real. Because we're looking at it with a different set of eyes. Does that make sense? So Brother Bram's saying that here we are in a, in a situation tonight. And, and what Jesus is looking for when he returns in this end time uh, scenario that we're in, he's looking for faith, real faith in the presence of God and in the will of God. Now, let me give you a little example here of what it must have been like to be downcast and, and to have your faith, in a sense, the legs kicked out from underneath your faith. Here we are on the road to, to Emmaus, and uh, you're familiar with the story and the scripture, and it came to pass that they communed together in reason, and Jesus himself knew, knew, uh, drew near and went with them. But they didn't realize who it was. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And then they said unto them, then he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one another as ye walk and are sad? I imagine that Jesus could probably do the same kind of thing today as he walked along with us because, uh, you know, we'd all have our heads down and we'd be walking with our thumbs out front. And he'd be saying, What manner of communication is that, I wonder? 
I, maybe I shouldn't have said that. In verse 18, And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him and said, Art thou a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things that are come to pass in this day? Now let's just read into this a little bit. And here's what Brother Bram said. Cleopas and his friends were on the road to Emmaus, and so they was on the road talking and real sad. And my, they were really let down, and something looked like had failed. And God lets things happen like that. He does that purposely to test you. Now let me ask you a question here. Were Cleopas and them in the will of God, the perfect will of God? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing to suggest that they weren't. They were living in the days of the resurrection, just hadn't recognized it yet. And God will allow things like that to happen, and he does it purposely. He actually does it purposely. Now let me get this before you so that you'll understand that every son that comes to God has to be child trained, tested, every son of God. And if you've never tested, he said, you're not a son. So God actually, if God did allow that to happen, then you know what? God probably allows that kind of thing to happen today. Where you can be in a situation where you're expecting an outcome and it just don't happen that way. It just is not coming down the way that you thought it was. Or it's not working out the way that you hoped it was. Your children are not maybe doing all the things that they ought, you figure they ought to be doing. And, you know, I brought them to church and raised them up and everything else. And it's not just turning out the way I thought. It doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. It doesn't mean that you're out of the will of God. It doesn't mean that the situation is hopeless. Because as long as there's breath in the body, there's hope. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. But Brother Branham said, here they are. And, and he said, they're looking, at, they're looking at it. And his phrase is, they were really let down. And it looked like something had failed. It looked like something had failed. Again, he says his promise word, his promise word promised this resurrection. Stay with me now. His promise word promised this resurrection. The one on the road to Emmaus that they're, that they're experiencing. He pro- that's what the word said. But they didn't understand it would be so. They didn't understand it would be like this. They thought it was going to be different. They thought that, I don't know, maybe the heavens would open and the lights would flash and, uh, you know, a, a plane would fly over and have a banner on the end of it and say, this is the resurrection day. But here it is happening and unfolding right in their midst and they're looking at it so simple. And Jesus talking to Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus was the vindication of his promised word. The fact that Jesus was present among them, alive from the dead, was vindication of his promised word. And yet they did not understand it. May I say today, after 2,000 years of teaching, he's still alive, and people cannot perceive it or understand it. They've been so indoctrinated with other things and cares and too much other stuff, they were too sad and torn up to understand it. I think that's a real thing. I think that there are a lot of things that keep us torn up. There are a lot of things that keep, us, uh, that, that keep us bound and keep our minds very occupied. And this is not because these people were necessarily, Brother Bam's referring to here, not, not necessarily because they're evil, but there's all kinds of other distractions that are there. And, you know, it, it pays. I'll just say this because this is very simple, but I warned you it was going to be very simple. It pays for you to carve out time and push back everything else just for a little bit so that you can commune with him every day, even if it's just for a little bit. 
Because you need to be aware of what the scripture says. You need to be aware of what God's word dictates to us. And uh, you need to understand that. And it's very important here. And with uh, Brother Bam said that, uh, you know, here's today, you know, a lot of people, he said, are so after 2,000 years, it's happening, but they don't have the perception. So in other words, I'm saying this, that if you only have a couple of minutes today to pray, you should pray, Lord, help. This is the way I, I pray. Two things. Lord, help me see myself in this. Help me see myself in, in, the, in the outplaying of Scripture, in the fulfillment of Scripture. Let me see my part. Let me, let me make sure that I'm doing what you want me to do in, in terms of my part in this word, in this hour. And if I don't pray a whole lot, these are two things that I pray. Number one, Lord, help me to see my role. And help me to do that role as best as I possibly can. And, and, and I, want, I want God to, uh, you know, to quicken that to me and make that real to me. Uh, because uh, I, I know this, that uh, it, there's so many demands. There's so many, uh, so many, if you want to see my phone, just to see the amount of uh, uh, people that were trying to contact me this week. And I said to my wife, I don't know what the, I don't know what the problem is this week. But uh, I mean, just from everywhere. And, and there's all kinds of things that are, uh, you know, that are demanded of me. And it, my, my challenge very often is, and I'm not saying this in a wrong way, but I just say this, that many times I've got to discipline myself to be sure that I'm dealing with what God wants me to deal with. Because you can spend your time on a lot of things. And there's a lot of things that might be good. They're not evil, but they're good. But you can get involved in situations that you're not supposed to be involved in. Or you can get caught up and tied up in things that uh, are really not profitable at all. So no matter what your role is, no matter what your calling is, you, gotta, you want to find your part. You want to find what God wants you to do. And, and, and say, Lord, just reveal that to me and guide me in that. That's what I want to know. And, and so it's an important thing that uh, we have that time and we have that time every day. Now, watch here. Brother Bram says, now, you say, Brother Bram, I hardly got uh, enough faith here to get out of here. He said, one time there was a little boy that came to Jesus, and the whole 5,000 there was hungry. And it wasn't very much in his hands. But once it gets into Jesus' hands, it fed thousands. That little faith that you've got tonight, just enough to get you out of church here. And he said, turn it loose. Put it in his hands and just say, Lord, I don't care if they call me a holy roller or whatever they want to. He said, I'm accepting the baptism of the Holy Ghost right now. God kindle a fire in my heart and let it come forth. You don't have to wait for the Holy Ghost to come. It's been here 2,000 years. I said it's been here 2,000 years. I guess that's where they get the idea of tarrying meetings. And so, you know, tarrying for the Holy Ghost. Hey, the Holy Ghost uh, is not somewhere way off. He said he'd be with you even in you to the very end. Isn't that right? And he came on the day of Pentecost, and we have no scripture or Bible verse at all that says or indicates that he went anywhere. I believe he came. I believe he's still with us here. I believe he's in, within reach of every one of you repentant sinners today. I believe that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're not waiting for him to come some distance here. I, I believe that he's present among us. Do you believe that? <clears throat> so I want you to just take note of this for a moment here. That Brother Man refers to this little boy, and he says, <clears throat> he says, he doesn't have very much. Like, you got to appreciate Jesus' sense of humor, and I, I always kind of find this a little bit humorous. The, when, when, they, when they watched Jesus and they looked at him and the way that he operated, and, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. A couple of times they asked him, we want to be able to pray, and we want to be able to have the communion with God that you do. Jesus said, okay, I'll do it. He said, say it like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that what he taught him? 
Thy kingdom come. There's a kingdom. That kingdom is greater than this kingdom. That kingdom has laws that are greater than this kingdom. Isn't that right? We have gravity. Let me tell you, there's no, there's no bind up there. We have cancer here. There's no sickness up there. We have starvation here. There's no starvation up there. We have war down here. There's no war up there. Do you believe that? That kingdom is the kingdom of God. It's a greater kingdom. And it's a greater kingdom than what we have here. And Jesus, he says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. As it is in that kingdom over there. All right. So think about this now. Think about illustrations in the Bible. That when Samson picked up the jawbone of a mule. All right. And he had it in his hand. You know a dry bone is going to shatter whenever you strike it against something hard. Right? And here's Samson. He's got that, he's got that uh, 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 dead, dead mule bone, and he's got it in his hand. Now, now, as an Israelite, he knows his identity. He knows what he's called to do, and he's got that in his hand. In other words, now, the same anointing that is upon the elected of God now transfers to that bone, and he's able to defend himself against hundreds and hundreds of Philistine soldiers. Isn't that right? And he's chopping through them and cracking their heads and, uh, you know, beating through the brass helmets and everything else. Why? Because in the hands of someone who has a revelation of their identity and they are a child of God, it comes under the rules of that kingdom, not this kingdom right here. And in that kingdom, there's no defeat. In that kingdom, there's no loss. In that kingdom, God's people never lose. So when Samson had his ox, or sorry, when Shamgar had his ox code, and now you can say there's two people that have an ox code. Shamgar had one, and I have one. Brother Jaron made me an ox code. And, <clears throat> Reverend, go into my office and g- grab my ox code. You'll see it standing up there behind my desk, if you will. I have an ox code. And when, when Shamgar took that ox goat and put it in his hand, he, he was able to look at those 600 Philistines and destroyed, kill them all. Because now the weapon is anointed with, a, with an anointing from that kingdom because he's standing there claiming his identity as a child of God. Everybody's looking. Here it comes. <clears throat> this, thank you. This ox goat is actually made of hickory. I thought it was very fitting. This is very fitting. So here's Shamgar out in the field, and he's just standing there like this and looking, and he's plowing with his team of oxen, and he gets out there <coughs> with his ox code, and he, maybe we should call for volunteers. <laughs> maybe we should call for the same volunteers. Because now he's got a real ox code here. Punches those oxen in the back of the thigh, moves them along in the field, scrapes off the the dirt and the clay from, their, from the plows and so forth. And he's standing out there, and this is all he's got. He's got something like this. That's all he's got, a piece of wood with a sharp end on it. And he's looking at those 600 Philistine soldiers. And Brother Branham said they were trained from birth to be warriors, dressed in their armor and so forth. And they come up, and they're going to take Shamgar out of the field and destroy his crops and take him with them so that they'll be fed through the winter. And Shamgar looks at those soldiers and looks back here at his family, looks back again, and they're smaller and they're bigger. Looks again, they're smaller and they're bigger. Looks again, and he's standing there on the field and said, bring it on, boys, bring it on. And 600 of them die in the field that day. They die in the field, not because this is a supernatural ox code, but because when he as a child of God took it in his hand, 
the anointing from that kingdom passes on to this thing here. And he's now able to use it as a weapon to become invincible because he's a child of God and it's anointed from that kingdom. And in that kingdom, there is no loss. Brother Bram said to take those prayer cloths and lay them on the people. Excuse me. There's no virtue or power in those prayer cloths, but they come from the hand of someone who's anointed and know that they're commissioned to pray for the sick and get people to believe. And when he laid those prayer cloths on people and people still today lay those prayer cloths on there, let me tell you, God does supernatural things because it's not an anointing from this kingdom, it's from that kingdom. Jesus said, when you pray, say it like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, may my conduct match that kingdom on this earth and nothing is going to be able to stop and stand against the, the, the uh, work of that kingdom in this earth right here. So <clears throat> that's the background. Brother Bam says now, uh, you know, when Jesus was on the Mount of Beatitudes and he says, all right, have everybody to sit down. Let's have a, uh, an international potluck dinner because they're here from all nations of the earth. And uh, <clears throat> they all kind of looked at him and say, hey, there's no way we can feed all these people. And Jesus now, I believe, he knew what was going to take place. Do you believe he knew what was going to take place? And he's out there and he says, all right, hey, have them all sit down. And they're, they're all uh, over, over, you know, thousands of people and their families. And the disciples said, we don't have any food at all except for this little boy who has a lunch over here. Bring it to me. And he takes that little bit of food and a little bit of that bread and fish in his hands here. And you know what he's doing? He's praying to his father who's in that kingdom. Because in that kingdom, there's no hunger. Come on, folks. Are you with me? In that kingdom, there's no starvation. In that kingdom, there's no weakness. And Jesus takes it into his hands, and now it becomes anointed with the, with the power of that kingdom, not this kingdom here. And it multiplies. And it's multiplied to the place where there are baskets and baskets that are left over. And Brother Bram is simply telling us here that you may have only a little bit of faith and say, well, I, uh, you know, I don't really know how, how I can get this done. And Brother Bram, I, don't, I can't even straighten my hand. And Brother Bram says, just take that. When it once gets into, in, into Jesus' hands, he said he can do great things with it. That little faith that you've got tonight, he said, just enough. Just enough to get you here. Just enough to get you into the church. He said, just give that to the Lord and watch what he does with it. Do you believe that tonight? Brother Bram said he walked into Jairus' house from where they all were, and he said, how could he do every, anything that, uh, with that kind of unbelief, where that unkind, uh, kind of unbelief? Why don't we read it right? He walked into the house where they all were at. And how could he do anything where all that kind of unbelief was? <clears throat> so here they are. <clears throat> They're all crying and lamenting and so forth. And Jesus said, every one of you get out. He said, put them out of the house, get going, every one of you. And he retains three of the disciples, and they stay in the house. And Jairus would have a little faith. And he had been talking to his wife, and she had a little faith too. And so they put their arms around one another, and they said, come on in now. I said to Jesus and those disciples, come on into our house now. <clears throat> they had enough faith just to get Jesus through the door. But when he got in the door, he was able to do great things with a little bit of faith that they had. <clears throat> now watch what Brother Bam says. I wish I could take the faith that's in my heart and spread it out to you now. He's got faith muscles. He's seen God do miraculous things and he's seen God do multitudes of things in his lifetime. Brother Branham, I don't know whether I can move my hand or not. He said, you'll never move it as long as you think that. Believe that he's done it and go say he's done it and act like he's done it and move it an inch. 
He said, if you can't move it, move a little bit further. And next day, a little further. And Satan will say, well, that's as far as you can go. And say, oh, no, I'm going on. Keep on with it. Stay with it. Great faith will bring you right now. But a little faith will bring you on anyhow if you'll just stay with it. Do you understand what he's saying? <laughs> that we saw all the miracles that, uh, that were accomplished in Brother Bam's ministry because I believe he was a man of great faith and he was under a commission and he could see those people by vision and so forth and he was given the promise to go into all the world and uh, you know, be able to pray for folks in that special way that God gifted him. And so uh, when he came upon things, he didn't get afraid, he didn't get worried. And I believe that Brother Branham was a man of great faith, just like Abraham was a man of great faith. Do you believe that? I believe the Apostle Paul was a man of great faith. I believe Smith Wigglesworth was a man of great faith. I believe we have people that are here who are people of great faith. And, and I will tell you this, that great faith will bring something to pass right now, but a little faith will bring it if you'll just stay with it. So you may be sitting here and saying, well, uh, Brother Barry, you had a sermon for me because I've only got a spoonful of faith and I got, my life's a mess and everything around me is falling apart here. But if you've got a little faith, just hang on to that. Amen. Brother Bram doesn't say, if you have little faith, just turn it into big faith. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, if you've got a little bit of faith, then it doesn't count. He doesn't say that. He says, if you've got a little faith, just bring it on anyhow. If you'll just stay with it, just stay with it. I've told you this story before about uh, I was out in the West Coast and, and uh, someone was uh, telling me a story about Brother Branham in his trailer in the backyard. And that's where he ha- had his office and him and Billy Paul to get in there and answer letters. And uh, there was a lady, a family who came uh, to the trailer. They had an appointment. They came to the trailer. And it was so small in there, so, so cramped and confined, that when they sat down in chairs, they were all, you know, bumping knees one with another. That's how small it was. And they were sitting on the little couch and little table and chairs there. And uh, Brother Branham welcomed them. There was, there was three or four of them, and there was a little girl. And the little girl had an eye problem. And uh, <clears throat> Brother Branham uh, was asked if he could pray for this little girl and, and so forth. And so they just went in. They sat down, as very often they would do. Brother Branham just waited on that angel and waited on the presence of God to come. And he said they just sat there in silence for a while, kind of an awkward silence. But they were sitting there just praying and waiting on God. And all of a sudden, Brother Branham just reaches over. He doesn't say anything, but he just reaches over to this girl, lays his hand on that girl, and her eyes were complete. Her, her eyes were, uh, it, it went, it, this is what they told me. They said that her eyes were exactly the same after Brother Branham prayed. You thought I was going to say something different. And he looked at the girl, and the girl didn't react. She didn't uh, jump. She didn't shout or anything else. Her eyes looked exactly the same as when Brother Brandon, before Brother Brandon prayed for him. And Brother Brandon, he, he, he looked around and he said, now tell me what's this girl's name? And they said, her name is Faith Constance. And Brother Brandon went like this. He said, that's it. That's what it's going to take. Constant faith. And they said it was two full years before that girl's eyes were healed. But they were completely healed. Amen. And they went back and told Brother Brandon, not because, not because it always happens right now. It can, and God does that. But there are times when just take the little faith you have, commit it to God, and watch what God does. You may not get your answer immediately, but let me tell you, faith in God is faith in God, whether it's little or big or medium. Faith in God is faith in God. And that's exactly what God wants you to exhibit, is faith that he can do it and he will do it, and God is certainly able. Now, hang on. I'm going to switch in a moment here. Brother Bram said it was the darkest hour that they'd ever seen on the road to Emmaus. And he said, see them 
They pulled the nails out, bowed his head. Jesus died. They took his body and put it in Joseph Varmathea's grave. How could it be? They're standing there looking from afar, and they're saying, how could this be? And when he saw that big rock laid up there, and that Roman seal put on it, they were asking, how could it be? And they're so discouraged. And Peter said, I believe I'll just go fishing. And the disciples said, I'll go with you. And all night long, in, disagree- in discouragement, they had pulled and had caught nothing. The Lord was gone. seemed like everything was gone. And they couldn't even catch a fish. And in their darkest of hours, someone stood on the bank and said, Children, have you got any meat? And when Peter had recognized that that was Jesus, you remember the story, he jumped out of the front of the boat and swam to the shore, and he wanted to, he wanted to be really close to where Jesus actually was. But in their minds, in their thinking, they had no more hope. They had no, they had no recourse, had no place to turn. If Jesus was who he was, and we saw him dead on the cross, what in the world do we do now? I want to announce to you that I believe that our God is a God of impossible situations. And I want to say to you as well today, that I believe that God heals by a number of different ways. And you're going to limit yourself, if you, if you believe that God's going to answer your prayer one way, you're going to limit yourself, and you're going to short-circuit your faith, because God is, ne- as far as I know, and I've read the Bible a lot in my years, as far as I know, nowhere is God obligated to take our commandments, right? He has a way of doing things. He heals some people by speaking. He heals some people by touching. He heals some people by spitting on the ground and taking mud and putting it on their eyes. Jesus was never confined to doing one thing the way that people want him to do. He's sovereign, and he can do whatever he wants. I believe that's why Brother Branham said, listen, I'm going somewhere. I believe that Brother Branham said that God heals by music. He said that God heals by love. Do you believe that God heals by prayer? Right? God has avenues of of, uh, healing. And you know what? When I see a person healed, I'm not too picky about how they got healed. I'm just thankful they got healed. I'll give God the glory for that. Even if they, you know, went to the doctor and took a right course of medicine and now they're perfectly well, you know what? I'll thank God for having a good doctor that they can go to and they found the right one. And so, you know, I, you know thank God for that. I, I, I thank God for that. And, and I thank God for how he's able to arrange things and organize things in the way that, the way that he does. Can I tell you a story? I haven't told this story in a long time. <clears throat> this is Wakas, Javed. He doesn't look like this now. But this is what he looked like in 2008. And here he's four and a half years old. And Wakas <clears throat> was born with a condition that cardiologists called VSD. Our brother Jonathan could take over and explain what that is, but it's a flap, essentially. Now, forgive me here. But it's a, it's a, a, a wall, a flap, that exists between the two chambers of the heart. So when you pump your blood, if that flap is in place, the blood's going to go in a certain direction. And if the flap is not in place for some reason, the blood's going to be diverted and go through your heart backwards. And it's a problem. I mean, if your, heart, if your blood's moving through your body backwards, it's a problem. 
The, a lot of kids are born with this problem, VSD, and uh, surgeons will go in and they'll put a flap in there or they'll make a repair for that damage. And then from there, the, uh, it's usually done in open heart surgery and, uh, you know, they'll be on their way and, you know, without any complications, the child will be normal. And uh, <clears throat> normally this is done very young, right? Uh, one, up to one years old, they'll, they'll do this surgery. And uh, very often these cardiologists who do this kind of surgery do it on kids who are one year old or less. Very common, very commonly done. And I didn't know anything about it until this happened. So when Wakas was born in Pakistan, there were a lot of kids who had this problem. And the problem with, with Pakistan was that the rate of post-surgical infection was really high. And a lot of kids died, especially in Lahore, in, in the area where Brother Anwar lived. And a lot of kids died. Sister Sheba, his, Brother Anwar's wife, is a nurse. They're going to be here next week. So you can see him. And Wakas will probably come now, and you'll see what he looks like now. He don't look like that. And she's a nurse, and she was very afraid that if Wakas went through the surgery at one, uh, or as an infant, uh, he wasn't going to make it because there was lots of kids who died. And so they chose to leave it alone. And they just didn't know what to do, and they left it alone. So in 2008, they came to Dubai. And I often met Brother Anwar in Dubai. And uh, we'd, we'd talk together, and we'd hold services together there. And it was a great fellowship for Brother Anwar and for us. And uh, <clears throat> when, when Brother Anwar was on his way over to Dubai, Wakas, who was going to come with him, had a, had a spell, and they took him to the doctor, and the doctor did EKGs and so forth and looked at his heart, and he said, this child is four and a half years old now, and he should have had this surgery at least four years ago, and he's in very serious shape. And Emmer said, well, we're not going to do the surgery here in Pakistan. He put him on the plane, took him to Dubai, and met me there. And when we, got, when we uh, met with Brother Anwar, <clears throat> right when they were uh, traveling, Brother Anwar also had a spell with his heart. It was ironic that now both of them decided to still come to Dubai, but Brother Anwar had a spell with his heart. I don't know, they don't know what it was. But Wakas had this, this issue with his heart before too. Brother Anwar came and he said, Brother Barry, do you think it would be possible we could go to the hospital in Dubai because their standards are much higher and things are much better? And I said, <clears throat> I said sure, let's go. Let's make an appointment let's go. And uh, I'll, I'll call and make the appointment for you. And uh, so we did. We went and talked to this cardiologist. I'll never forget the day in, in all my life because I can still see it. And we were in this clinic, and they had evaluated what cost and put all the leads on him, did all the tests and so forth. And the doctor came out, who was the lead doctor in that department, and he came out and he took Brother Anwar's hand. And he said, this child needs to have surgery imminently. He needs to have it right away. He said, he's going to die if he doesn't have it because he should have had it four years ago. And he said, we did all the tests. The blood is flowing backwards in his body. And he's actually stunted in his growth. So when, I, when we brought him here, I could hold him in my hand here in the assembly. And I did. I held him in my hand as he, uh, he was here before he went for surgery. And he was that little at four and a half years old. And <clears throat> it was a shock just to see him when I found out how old he actually was. But he was stunted in his growth. Doctors said he's going to die because there's no way his body can develop and so forth. He's, he's going to die. And I remember Brother Anwar taking my hand, and he was in tears. He was just broken. And he said, Brother Barry, he said, would it be possible that you could do all you could for what cost? Is there anything that you think you could do? Well, now I'm not a cardiologist. 
And I said, Brother Anmar, I said, let's, let's just pray and see what we can do. Because the doctor in Dubai told us we don't have any doctors like that in, in our country. There's no doctors who could perform that surgery. But he has to go to England, or he has to go to America, or he has to go to India, some way to get that surgery. And I said, Anmar, the only thing I know to do is let's just pray. Let's just see what the Lord would have us to do. So here's what happened. <clears throat> that night, when I went back to my hotel, I picked up the phone, called my wife. And because of the time difference, it was late over there, but because of the time difference, it was about 4.30 here in, in America. And my wife was teaching piano, and uh, as she does in the afternoons. And uh, there was two boys, uh, the downy boys, and they were taking lessons, and uh, they were just finishing up their lesson. And I said, have you got a minute? I want to tell you this, this little story about Wakas. And she knew who Wakas was. And uh, <clears throat> I said, he needs to have a heart surgery. And you know, he's got this VSD, and it's a real problem. They don't have any doctors here. And uh, Brother Amar asked us to pray, so I'm just asking you to pray as well for what cost. And she said, just a second. She goes like this. She holds the phone, and she comes back to me, and she said, call Dr. Downing. Now, the two Downing boys were the sons of Dr. Downing. And Dr. Downing happened to come and pick up the boys after their lesson. So he just happened to be standing there at their, our front door. And... Uh, I said, okay, why do I need to call Dr. Downing? He said, she said, ask Dr. Downing about this situation. Just go ahead and ask him. Go ahead. Go ahead and ask him. So I called Dr. Downing. And I said, Dr. Downing, here's the situation. He said, oh, you need Dr. Beauvais. I said, okay, who's Dr. Beauvais? He said, I'll send you Dr. Beauvais' phone number. And he said, just call that number and tell him your story. And I said, really? And she, he said, Yes. This is a picture of Dr. Edward Beauvais. And I called from Dubai. I called his office and got his assistant. And I, I had the re test results from the doctor who had examined him in Pakistan and the doctor results from the doctors who had examined him in Dubai. And I said uh, to this assistant, I didn't talk to Dr. Beauvais at that point, but uh, I said to the assistant, I have all the tests, I have all the graphs and EKGs and everything else. He said, fax them to me. Just fax them right away and get them over to me. And I did. I went downstairs in the hotel and got him all the fax information over. And he said, I'll just make sure Dr. Beauvais gets to see this. And I said, okay. Just left it at that. And I told Brother Anmar the story next morning at breakfast. <laughs> the next day, Brother Beauvais, Brother Beauvais, his office contacts me and says, <clears throat> Mr. Coffey, Dr. Beauvais looked at this and he would like to offer his services to fix what costs. And he'd like to do it at no charge. He's the chief cardiologist for pediatric surgery uh, in the Michigan University Hospital. We went there. It's a huge, sprawling complex. This picture of him sitting on the desk here is a picture they took of him after he performed his 10,000th surgery. After his 10,000th surgery, uh, they had a reception for him and they took this picture of him as an official portrait. And uh, this was like eight years ago now uh, that this photograph was taken. So Dr. Beauvais says, bring him over. And uh, he says, uh, we'll, we'll examine him over here and um, uh, we'll take a look at him. So I tell Anwar, brother, you're talking about excited. I said, Brother Amar, let me tell you who this is, and let me tell you how I found him, and I did. And uh, Brother Amar goes back to Pakistan, and I went home, and I went and contacted, hey, listen, this is, this is great. I contacted our senator in Virginia, Mr. Warner, not Mark Warner. 
And I contacted Mr. Warner, his office, and I said, we had, this, we had this situation with a kid in Pakistan, and we want to bring him over to Michigan and so forth. And I gave him all the details, all what Dr. Beauvais had said. They wrote a letter. And so he goes to, the, uh, to the, uh, what, what, what then was... Uh, what then was the immigration people, and uh, they generated a temporary medical exception for Anwar and his son to come to the U.S. for medical care. So within a matter of a couple of days, I have this document that gives him permission to bring his son to the, to the country. I shoot that over to Brother Anwar. I said, Anwar, pack your bags. Let's get a plane. We booked him a plane, uh, got him over here uh, to, uh, to Michigan, and uh, we brought him to the hospital. Brought him into the hospital, and they, they examined him, and they looked at him, and he didn't come here first. We went directly to, the, to Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we had him uh, in, the, in the facility there, and they examined him and looked at him and so forth, and they said, yes, he's a candidate. This is, all these tests are true. He has to have this surgery. He's going to die. And so <clears throat> we never saw Dr. Beauvais at all before the surgery took place, but they prepped him up, and they sent him to the dentist. That was the worst part of what cost his life up to that point. Because he'd never been to a dentist in Pakistan. They don't have dentists over there. And so he'd never been. But if your teeth are bad, that is detrimental to your heart. And I don't understand the connection, but there is a connection. So he had real bad teeth, so they had to send him to the dentist. Now, he thought he had died and went to hell uh, when he went to the... Sorry, but I mean, it was rough. Now, it was rough. It was so bad that they gave up on him. They just said, that's it. We can't handle this guy anymore. I said, knock him out. Do like they do to me. Knock him out. And he said, no, we can't do it. He's going for heart surgery. He can't do it. And I said, well, hey, give me the laughing gas, you know, while I'm here. But anyway, they didn't, they didn't do that. They sent him on his way. A couple of days later, he's, he's, the teeth he pulled out healed up, and he's, he's in the hospital waiting for surgery. And they come in, they wheel him. They put, had a red wagon, and they put him in the red wagon with a couple of stuffed toys, and they wheeled him down the hallway like this. I was standing there with Brother Anwar. He's weeping because when your child goes in behind the operating theater doors, there's no feeling like it. And so they wheel him down, and, and Makoff turns around, waves like this, and says goodbye to his daddy, and he's going down, and <clears throat> goes into the operating theater. About eight hours later, Dr. Beauvais comes out in that picture on the right, and that's Brother Anwar with Brother Beauvais. And uh, <clears throat> Dr. Beauvais says, he says, nice to meet you. He says, I just wanted to tell you that the surgery with Makoff went fine, perfectly normal young boy. And we jumped to our feet, and we were, you know, we were just so happy and excited. And I, naturally, I started him with the questions. Well, now, uh, what, uh, what, what happens now? And what does he need to do? And how, do we need to come back? Do we need to see you again? He just he put his hands up like this to me, and he said, he's a perfectly normal young boy. Take him home. And I said, yeah, but, but, but you know, me, I, and I, I wanted to get, I wanted to get, Everything out of him I could, you know, and I was asking him, okay, does he need to eat anything special? Does he need to have this kind of care? He said, he went again, and he said, he's a perfectly normal young boy. Take him home. So they let him heal up a couple of days in the hospital, and then they took him home. Then we took him home. Matter of fact, well, Cost decided that he was going to get out of the hospital. He, had, he was fed up, fed up with hospital food, fed up with everything. And he just said, he told Sister Becky, he said, I, I want to go. He says, I want to get out of here, and I want to go. And uh, he wound up, we wound up taking him uh, with us. We went to uh, Brother Paul LaFontaine's house for a little visit over there, and then we brought him here to the church. And they stayed here at the church a couple of days and in our house, and then eventually he got on a plane and went back home. I think it was seven days after his surgery, seven or eight days after his surgery, 
and wound up flying back to Pakistan. Completely normal. Never had another problem. Related to his heart. Brother Bram said there's nothing like music. You know, God heals by music. Do you know that? God heals by love. God heals by medicine. God heals by prayer. God has many ways of healing, depending on what you need. Isn't that great about God, who knows just exactly what we have need of and knows who to send? <clears throat> now, let me tell you a little something about Dr. Beauvais that you don't know. <clears throat> Dr. Beauvais was, I mean, he's a renowned uh, pediatric surgeon. I don't know if he's still practicing. But <clears throat> in his years of study, and when I saw him in the hospital, it was just incredible because uh, whenever he walked down the hallway, he had about 12, 15 uh, interns behind him. And they, were all t they, they wrote down everything he said because uh, he was a quiet man and what he said was usually very important. So they were monitoring you know, what he said. And he developed a surgical procedure for a condition called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And that syndrome is rare. And it used to be that it was a fatal condition. Hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Brother Johnson's probably heard about it. I haven't. And he developed a procedure to fix that. And, and what happens is when a child is in the womb, part of the heart doesn't develop fully or correctly. And there's, a, there's a certainly, uh, and I'm not, I'm not a doctor and I don't want to wade into this area here, but uh, they have procedures where they can go in and operate now and they can uh, fix that portion of the heart and, and so forth. And kids live normally, uh, just about normally after, after that procedure. Dr. Beauvais was the one who, who developed that procedure. And he was the one who, <clears throat> even though it was very controversial when he did it, people didn't believe it and they didn't trust it. But it's still done today. Now, <clears throat> here's what I'd like to, to do. I'd like to have our musicians come, if you will. I'd like to have you come to your place here. This is what costs after the surgery. And Nayab, Nayab is now married, what Koss wants to be. <laughs> Brother Bram said, now maybe your faith is not very much. But what little faith you got, you put it in God's hands. It might cause a revival to break out in Chicago here. You've got to have something to do something with. And in your hand, it's not too much. But in God's hand, it's wonderful what he can do with such... Little faith. It's wonderful what he can do with such a little faith. What a heartbroken time it was in Jerusalem. Poor Mary, the disciples, worried disciples. And Peter said, I believe I'll just go fishing. There's a bunch of statements here in quotes where Brother Bram talks about having just a little bit of faith and he says, when people surrender that faith correctly, it's all they got. It's the last thing they're standing on. Give it to God and watch what God will do with it because he's the multiplier. He's the one who's able. Now, is this all right? I'd like to have Ethan and Anna make your way up here, if you will. 
<clears throat> because yesterday, the other day, Ethan and Anna went to the doctor, and the condition of the baby that Anna's carrying is the hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And I thought it was just amazing how that, uh, you know, the same doctor that helped will cost so much uh, it was the one who pioneered the same surgery that the, the baby may have to have. And I, I think uh, as a congregation now, I think what we should do is pray with them that the Lord will undertake for that little baby. And we pray, my prayer is that it would not have to have any of the surgeries. And then Sister Anna gets up this morning and sings. And I will not be discouraged. I will not be afraid. You know why? Because we believe that our God is able. Our God is a miracle-working God. And our God is able to do things outside the womb, inside the womb. Our God is able to do things supernaturally. Hey, I thank God for doctors. And, and when Brother Branham says that God heals by medicine, I thank God for doctors like Dr. Beauvais. Because he's not in it for gain. And he says, I'll waive my $29,000 fee. He says, bring what costs, and we'll do that for free. And I thank God for how, how, how God can heal by medicine. And he does it. And I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you guys believe that, I know. And all we want to do now today is put our arms around Ethan and Anna, pray with them that the Lord will undertake for this situation. Because you know what? There's nothing, hear me, there's nothing impossible with God. Let's stand to our feet. Sister Becky, if you'd just play for us. <clears throat> Come on over here, Sister Anna. We're going to anoint you with oil and, and with Ethan as well. Brothers, you brothers that pray, believe that God is real and God's a healer. Come on up here. Let's lay your hands on Ethan and Anna. You believe that God's a healer? You believe that God can do this supernaturally? We're not counting out doctors. We're not counting out medicine. We're not counting out... Whatever way God wants to bring healing, you know what we're going to do? We're going to thank God for the healing. We're going to thank God for however he wants to make this situation right. But all life comes from God. We're going to claim that life from the clutches of the enemy. When you go through things like this couple's gone through, when you go through situations, let me tell you, your faith can take quite a beating. But you know what? You take that little faith and you give it to God. Lay it at the altar and give it to God. You watch what God will do with that. But look around, Anna and Ethan, look around. All of these brothers and all this assembly here, we're standing with you in prayer. And today we're going to anoint you with oil and pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. God's going to intervene in this situation. Now, brothers, I want you to do this. I want you to just bow your heads with me and everybody, and I want you to pray, okay? You brothers, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we count it a real blessing, Lord, to be able to come today and to anoint Anna and Ethan with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And believe, Lord, that you're a healer today the same as you ever were. And Lord, you're not limited by time or space or distance, Lord. You're not limited by anything in this world. But you operate by the laws of another kingdom. And Lord, that kingdom knows no sickness. It knows no heart problems. That kingdom over there it doesn't know starvation or death. doesn't know anything like that at all. And so we're praying, Lord, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. You taught us to pray this way. You taught us to cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And in the name of Jesus Christ, 
We're committing Sister Anne and this little baby into your hands, Lord, and just praying for its complete deliverance and healing. Father, we lift her up before the throne of grace, Lord, and with her husband, Ethan, Lord, faithful members, Lord, believers in your word, I commit them into your hands, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would move on the scene today. And may our faith raise, Lord. May we take what we have, Lord, whatever measure of faith we have. May we take it, Lord, and just give it to you and say, multiply it, Lord, and help us to believe together. Father, we know that you are able. And we're going to praise you and give you thanks no matter how healing comes. But you taught us, Lord, to ask. You taught us, Lord, to knock and the door would be open. And ask and we would receive. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you, curse that enemy, and pray, dear God, that you would move on behalf of this senior. We believe, Lord, today. We believe in all of our hearts. And we commit Anna and Ethan and this little child into your hands now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. May nothing stand in the way of its healing. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's go believing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Our God is able. Do you believe that? Our God is able. He knows just exactly what we have need of. He knows exactly who to bring us to. I believe there's no flukes or chances or coincidences in the kingdom of God. I believe the Father's got a will. I believe he's got a way. And I'm thankful for that. There's a fountain open in the house of David. Let's just sing that this morning here and let's just worship him together. Listen, folks, we're not just praying for Ethan and Anna today, but you know what? I believe that God is able to minister to every one of us all at the same time. Whether you're sick, whether you mourn, whether you're making a decision, no matter what your need is now, in this atmosphere of faith, take it and just give it to God and just say, Lord, we're committing this to you. There's a fountain open in the house of David. Who would be? There are streams of grace that's flowing down from Calvary. That's flowing down from Calvary. Come now and we see one more time. Let's worship him this morning. There's a fountain open in the house of David to you who believe. That's flowing now. Now and we see. 
could still move God still Of his people, God still moves. He does not sleep, nor does he slumber. God still moves. God still moves. Do you believe that today? God still moves. Yes, Lord. In the hearts of His people, God still moves. He does not sleep, nor does He slumber. God still sing it again now thank you Jesus we believe Lord you still move we believe Lord you still heal we believe Lord all things are possible to them that believe oh have your way Lord Jesus he does not see nor does that God still moves? Hey, God didn't die when Brother Bram died. God didn't stop healing when Brother Branham went off the scene, right? God, let me tell you, God never sent this message for us to be stuffed full of new theology and figure we're better than everybody else on the earth. That's not why God sent this message. This, God sent this message that you might believe and your faith might rise to the point where even your body will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And you know what I read in my Bible? That these signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. And we're not telling God what to do. We're just, we're just doing what the scripture says. Cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. Very best thing we can do is take whatever need we have. Big, small, doesn't matter. You got a little faith, big faith. Take it to God. Give it to him and say, Lord, if I could fix this, I would. But Lord, you're the author of life. And I'm giving this to you. And I'm just asking, Lord, that you would look in on this situation. And as you pass by, fix it. A sister Tracy down here had cancer and had to have her you know, organs removed and so forth, but standing here today and, uh, you know, just worshiping the Lord. I'll tell you what, our God's a healer. Our God is able to do things exceedingly above and beyond what we could ask or think. God's not lost in some fog, some place way back there. Our God is real. He's alive. And he's nigh, even as close as the breath you breathe. Even when you're not looking, God's looking. Even when you're not watching, God's watching. Ruby, put your hand up over there. Hey, listen. God's watching over little girls. God's watching over little boys. God's watching over families. You may, it may not happen the way you think, like the resurrection didn't happen the way they thought. But you know what? It happened, and God made it come to pass, and eventually they got a revelation. That's exactly what God meant. He's still the same. Lord, unveil my eyes. 
raise our hands and just give him praise and glory this morning here. Sister Anna, let's praise him. Let's give him honor and glory now. Don't be afraid. Don't hold back. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you've done for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. When I heard that special this morning, I was really touched by that when Sister Anna sang, because I knew, I knew what we were going to talk about today. And I just asked her if she would come and sing that again. So listen to the words again now a second time. And I think this is worth standing for. Sing along with her.
Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's our God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let me tell you, folks, it's not based on feelings. It's based on faith. And Brother Bram said when Jesus comes, that's the question he asked. Will he find faith when he returns? Faith in the living God, faith in a present God. 2,000 years from when he stepped foot on the earth. Will he find faith in that God the same yesterday, today, and forever? And I say among us, he should be able to find that faith. Among us. Because God has visited us and proved to us that he's real. He's alive. His power is not diminished at all. Proved to, to us over and over again. And if anybody on earth should believe, it should be us. Let's sing it this morning. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is why I give you praise for you are my righteousness sing it now oh I worship you almighty God there is none sing it again now one more time close your eyes just worship and Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, how we love you, Lord. How we praise your name, Lord Jesus. There's power in your name. I worship you, Prince of your hands if you have a need this morning yes. we're going to pray before we come back for the second service heavenly father we come to you we sing from the depths of our heart when we see they when we say there is no one like you 
You are the only God that spoke the word and created light out of darkness. When there was no form on the earth, when there was darkness upon the face of the deep, Lord, you formed everything. You formed the stars. You formed the galaxies. Lord, you opened the Red Sea when people had no way, when there was a mountain on the left and there was a mountain on the right. Father, you spoke the word and the Red Sea dried up and the fish obeyed and everything obeyed because there is no one like you. Father, when your children were pinned down, you came down and you said, the battle is not yours, for the battle is mine, because there is no one like you. Lord, you came down from the portals of glory, and you walked on the streets of gallery, and you, oh Lord, you opened the eyes of the blind, you cleansed the lepers, you raised those that, 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 that were dying. Father, you are still the same in our age. You are still the same today as you were back then, because there is no one like you. We saw you Lord, walking in the ministry of our prophet, a mighty ministry showing yourself visible among us. And today we have an assurance that you are a living God. You are God that heals cancer. You are a God that heals heart trouble. You are God that heals blood pressure. There is nothing that is impossible with you. Father, we are coming with the same faith. The faith that Peter had when he was singing in jail. The same faith that James had. The same hope that Abraham had for 25 years. Believing that you are able to perform it because you are faithful. You are faithful to, to this this afternoon because your name is righteousness. How we thank you Father for bringing us into your house and speaking to us Lord that even if we have little faith you are able to multiply that faith. Lord the hands that have been raised up. You see the needs that are behind those hands. Some are suffering Lord with financial trouble. Some are suffering with sickness. Some are, have got a desire for their loved ones. Lord there is nothing too high. There is nothing too great for you. We are just committing everything into your hands. We thank you, Father, because you are the same and you have never been defeated, you have never retreated, and you have never surrendered. This afternoon, Father, we give you all the glory and we give you all the praise. Be with us as we go back, Father, until we meet again for the second service. May you restore the strength that has gone out of the preacher. We will pray for him and we, Lord God, may you be with us the rest of the week. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give him an offering of praise this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. The sermon this morning was for all of you that had a little faith. Now you know what to do with it. Just package it up, give it to God, and watch what he can do with it. God can make great things happen with little things. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Sing it again now. Thank you, Jesus. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. How great is our God, the splendor of a king, oh, the splendor of a king, he's clothed in majesty, let all the earth.
Hallelujah. And all God's people said, take your need, whatever it is, give it to God. Take your little faith, give it to God. Best thing you can do is give whatever you got, give it to God. Watch what he does with it. We're going to let you go this morning. May God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for pulling. We ask now that you would uh, just be mindful of our time. Be back at five and uh, we'll have a service for Brother George Smith tonight. So sing it as you go. May God bless you. And uh, thank you for being here. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great. Yes, how great is our How great.